I confess that in 1901 I said to my brother Orville that man would not fly for 50 years. Two years later we ourselves made flights. This demonstration of my impotence as a prophet gave me such a shock that ever since I've distrusted myself and avoided all predictions. Den interplanetære podcasten. Utforskning av rom til fordel for hele menneskeheten. Dine vakter i England og Norge. Med Tjurøsel og Chris Garni. Oh yeah, baby. Be right. Wilbur Wright. Right on, brothers. Yeah, we've literally started this podcast very right on. Yes. Now, Wilbur Wright, it was his it was his birthday the other day, and what did he get? I, d- <laughs> I don't know, but who's who's whose birthday is it today, well, Chris? Matthew, it's mine. <laughs> <laughs> no way. No way indeed. And you couldn't find anybody that was born on the same day as me, April the 18th, could you? <laughs> April the 18th, nothing happened. So famously so that in 1930, even the BBC announced that there'd been no news that day. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In- <laughs> amazing. So, yeah, literally there's been no astronomer, no astronaut, nothing. Until now, birthday, Chris. until now, um, there's there's a few people that don't really count. There's James Woods, and he's a bit of a right wing lunatic on Twitter these days. There's Rick Moranis, that's pretty good. <laughs> there's Kim uh, Courtney Gard- Kardashian, oh, yeah, is- but also it's a double header of science fiction because it's I share a birthday with David Tennant, former mm-hmm. doctor, and I'm 42. That is fair. I mean, 42. That's as good as it gets. It is. I believe binary for 42 is one zero one zero one zero. You're joking. Is that what it was all about? Uh, do you know it might be? I will accept it as that. He, he told Stephen Fry, didn't he, just before he... Douglas Adams told Stephen Fry what 42 was about. And so Stephen Fry knows, but promised he'd never tell anyone. No, he must, he must, on on the deathbed, which I hope is a very, very long time from now, Stephen Fry, I hope he divulges to somebody. I ho- yeah, I hope he passes it on to someone equally cool. Yeah, That'd definitely, good. definitely. I hope he passes it on to another natural materialist. Yes, yes, a natural materialist. <laughs> yes, a materialist. Um, tomorrow, when the podcast comes out, yep. will be the anniversary of Salute 1, the first space station. Amazing. 19th of April, 1971. So that's 50 years ago. Fantastic. 50 years since the first space station. That's a big old deal, that, isn't it? That's a fantastic um, landmark. It is, isn't it? 50 years since Salute 1. Amazing. Or should I say space mark? Ah, you should. It is, it is a space mark, like a landmark, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a space mark achievement. That's a space mark achievement. <laughs> well, talking of space mark achievements, Chris, this yeah. is a space news episode. One of my favourite kinds. Yes, I know. I know you love it. I mean, fancy that. A space news episode on your birthday. Yep. And this is perhaps one of the biggest pieces of space news we've ever had on the podcast. (gasps) Oh, my goodness. And that is the shock SpaceX win of the human lander contract for Artemis. Amazing. It's unbelievable. (laughs) Genuinely, I was shocked. But the more I think about it, I've realised I was a bit of an idiot for being shocked. Yeah. But I wasn't expecting it. I, I, I'm pretty certain on a previous podcast, I've probably said, oh, as if SpaceX are going to win that particular contract, because it just seems so preposterous. Yeah, it's, uh, it's completely out of their 
their realm right now, isn't it? Well, we should first of all explain what it is. It's the the human lunar lander contract was basically NASA saying to private industry, right, one of you have got to come up with a way of getting down from lunar orbit and delivering the astronauts safely onto the moon, letting them stay there for a week, and then bringing them back up into lunar orbit. That's that's what you've got to achieve. Yeah. Which, let's face it, is no mean feat. Uh, not in the slightest, no. <laughs> there, <laughs> no. There was about five or six different companies involved initially, but that sort of whittled down to three contenders, which was the national team, Blue Origin, but with Lockheed and Northrop Grumman in there as well. So that's a major team. That is like your big hitters. Yeah. And then there was this other team called Dynetics, which which have Sierra Nevada Corporation buried in there as well. So that, you know, these are big industrial teams. And then at the last minute, NASA included SpaceX and their Starship landing system. Yeah. And this was about 12 months ago. And at the time, it felt like they'd sort of been included almost on a whim. (laughs) That's what it felt like. I mean, it was like, yeah, because SpaceX came in insanely cheap. Yeah. About half the cost of Dynetics and a quarter of the cost of the national team. Mm. Have you seen a picture of three different systems placed next to each other? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. The Starship just looks preposterous. It just it looks preposterous compared to these two little dinky landers, which are much more like the traditional kind of landers. Yeah. That, although the Dynetics one is very, very cool in the fact that they've kind of, instead of stacking it up, they've stacked it across. So it's mm. a very sort of weird long ship rather than a tall ship. But Still, they're both quite traditional. Back going back to those very early space society drawings of lunar landings. Yeah, um, you know the sort of thing that was dreamt up in Liverpool back in you know just after the Second World War. That kind of thing. Absolutely. But a bit like your grandparents dreaming up your your parents. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's not go into how they made them. <laughs> So I've sort of similar period to that. Whereas obviously Starship is completely different. Yeah. It's completely different. And yeah, so SpaceX have won it. Not only is it a surprise, but it was all a bit weird how it was announced. It was announced, seemed like a bit of a rush on a Friday afternoon because I think NASA wanted to get ahead of a press leak. So it was a bit odd, the announcement. It kind of, whoa, whoa, what's going on here? But yeah. <laughs> Almost almost $3 billion have been awarded to SpaceX on their own, and the other two didn't get a look in, which was... I mean, Jeff Bezos must be totally gutted by that. Yeah. As in, it must have genuinely been... That, that's a kicker, that is. If, you, if you're reading Twitter, the vibe I get from the old-school radical accelerationists who want us to go into space as quickly as possible and actually get on with it. I think they consider this a, like you said, a space mark event where we'll be talking about this for decades, if not centuries, that this was a turning point in the human exploration of space. I I thought it was a mistake, you know, when I saw the announcement, especially because (laughs) I think maybe the press, some of the press might have uh, got that a bit wrong because they actually showed just the literal starship on the moon. (laughs) Just sat there. Like, it's just touched down, and I was like, that can't be right. <laughs> but it's almost like they added them to the, the bill, like, uh, you know, you, that, that kid that in your class that you have to invite to your birthday party. It's like, oh, God, yeah. we better invite SpaceX it, onto well, this. 
<laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, imagine how fast SpaceX are. They're only 19 years old as a company. Yeah. And it wasn't long ago that Elon Musk was having to sue NASA, you know, take them to court yeah. to, to, make, to make them give him contracts, which is never the best way to sort of endear yourself to someone you want work from. <laughs> It's a bit tantrum isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but it's massively paid off for him because now it seems that NASA just want to trust SpaceX with everything. Yeah. Yeah. Artemis, apparently, mission Artemis Mission 3 will be returning astronauts to the moon in 2024, which is, which is three years away, mm. which, let's face it, that... If you're watching Starship landing in Boca Chica, you know that that's probably not realistic. <laughs> 2024. <laughs> so, but you know, so but apparently that's the plan. 2024, um, and yeah, so it's to carry two American astronauts to the lunar surface, um, one of which will be the first woman on the moon, brilliant, and and possibly the first person of color on the lunar surface. Now. This just this announcement on its own caused like loads of fuss on Twitter. You know the kind of Twitter fuss that goes around with things like that. But oh my god, yes! I thought it's I thought it's worth mentioning here that 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 whoever gets chosen, they get chosen because of their competence to do the job. So this Absolutely. isn't like uh, uh, you know there was a bloke that was better at, at it. It, it. That's just not the case. As in whoever steps foot on the moon next are people that have thoroughly <laughs> deserved to be there and have and have done that, you know, through their competence to do the job. And so really that the, the the big issue really is to get as many people to apply for these astronaut roles as possible from lots of different backgrounds because once you go through the selection process, obviously the same amount the same percentage of of each ethnic group or 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 however you you however you split these groups up will be represented once they've gone through the selection process yeah uh if you listen to our didier schmidt interview that's a really interesting part of it how you kind of end up with the same percentage as you started with so so they are chosen from competence so i think that's pretty important if there's ever a case for the diversity only being a contributing factor it is this because you know the two people that are going there need to be the most competent for the job it's not like we're talking about them given a job uh you know in a factory or a, a teaching job or something which which is also super important of course i understand this but with the literal peril involved in this if they were if as p as twitter might suggest it was just a diversity conspiracy it'd be just the daftest thing to send somebody you there who happens to be a person of color but is incompetent it's just not like, it doesn't work like that you know yeah no it doesn't and and it's just i get it's weird and i do get it i kind of get it why people are, are sort of you know it, the fact that we're even talking about it is is really annoying I have mm. to say, <laughs> yeah. But but we but we have to really, and I, I think you know it, it's it's important that everyone feels represented, and we know that the sort of broader the broader you put your net in terms of the type of people that you get doing a job, the better that job will be done. <laughs> and yeah. that's that. That's the bottom line, and that's just evidenced. So yeah, there, there we go. But anyway, the rough plan. <laughs> we should talk about the rough plan. So. SLS, 
See, this is the weird thing about the plan, is that it doesn't involve a launch on Starship. It invo- involves a launch of SLS. So SLS will launch four astronauts aboard the Orion spacecraft. Yeah. The Orion spacecraft will travel travel from Earth to uh, the moon and get into what's called a near rectilinear halo orbit. Oh, right? sounds painful. Now, yeah. Yeah, which is actually where the gate the gateway will will orbit there as well, but this time Orion will orbit there on its own. So it will it will go out to the moon and orbit in this bizarre orbit, very different to Apollo. Apollo went round the sort of middle, whereas this one sort of goes up and down over the poles, and so it can be seen from Earth for the entire orbit. In other words, you can communicate with it for the entire time, but it also gives you access to the South Pole, Shackleton Crater in particular, yeah. where there is all this water ice that can be used for rocket fuel and breathable air once we start setting up a lunar base there. So that's why they want to do it like that. There's a couple of reasons why they want to get into this bizarre orbit, 3,000 kilometres high at one point and 7,000 kilometres high at another point. So it's it's an eccentric orbit, Yeah, unlike this circular orbit that Apollo used to do. But the Apollo was a nightmare because you were doing things like all your engine burns at the far side of the moon out of contact with Earth. So mission yeah. control didn't know whether they'd been successful or not. So, you know, it's it's super stressful. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. of course mission control can offer no help all the time you're on the other at the far side of the moon. Of course, but I think um, that's uh, the, the the ability to actually and the time it's going to take to get into that orbit is that going to be a factor? Yeah, it 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 is a factor. So I mean, a lot of energy is wasted getting into that orbit, which is why I believe that Apollo you could get to the moon's surface in one go. You know, you just stack up an enormous rocket and off you go, and then you can take back off and get back to Earth all in the same system. Yeah. Uh, SLS can't. SLS and Orion can't do that. It's just not powerful enough to go to the moon and come back again. It just, it just doesn't have the delta V, as they say. Yeah. And so, but also they what they want to do it differently anyway uh, because of getting to the South Pole. You couldn't get to the South Pole using Saturn V either. So the, the Apollo profile wouldn't have suited that either. So you have to do it completely differently. So you've got Orion now doing doing orbits of the moon, and now the SpaceX Starship would dock with the Orion and take two of the astronauts from the Orion down to the surface of the moon, stay there a week, and then take back off again up back up to the Orion and then dock with the Orion and then the Orion would fly back to Earth. <laughs> and 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 then you'd land and then you would land in the Orion capsule. So it's complicated. You know, and apparently this is all going to happen in 3 years time, which <laughs> let's face it. <laughs> how how likely does that sound? Do you know what? I think they're going to do it. I think that I'm totally be. I'm, I, I'm, I'm completely have faith in them. I think they're going to do it. <laughs> I'm going to put money on it. <laughs> well, well, well. Kathy, Kathy, Kathy Lurders says, with this award, NASA and ACT partners will complete the first crewed demonstration mission to the surface of the moon in the 21st century as the agency takes a step forward for women's equality and long-term deep space exploration. Obviously, SpaceX has been working with NASA to get this to get this right, and obviously they've been super impressive with their engineering, safety, 
and all the other things. One of the things that they're sort of like kick ass is, of course, that they're they've actually built the hardware. They've actually built this hardware. They've been flying it. But there's a there's a few things in here that I think they won they won the contract. Obvious, the obvious one is the value for money, right? Yeah, you've got to have value for money, and SpaceX is that in spades. I mean, after all, a lot of what they've done, they finance themselves. You know, they've been developing Starship regardless. They haven't yeah. been waiting for government money to do it, so they've just been getting on and doing it, which is phenomenal. Um, like it is actually incredible. Like they, they're not reliant on these, you know, funding. It's that that's the, the incredible use of wealth. I mean, I've been saying this so much but that's that's a, a truly unique thing i it's i think they deserve it <laughs> genuinely well you know spacex uh, just the pure management of it all the fact that they are doing things correctly i mean if you think about if you think about the last time that nasa handed out contracts to spacex and boeing well boeing still aren't going to be uh, flying starliner with crew until at least 2022 now Mm. So it's, you know, thank thank goodness they did give that contract to SpaceX. Otherwise, America still wouldn't have replaced the space shuttle and, mm. and be able to fly astronauts to the space station. Uh, but, I mean, obviously there is a little bit of a problem in the fact that NASA couldn't really afford to have redundancy here. So they couldn't afford to have a second team in the running, which is clearly a good thing to do. I mean, going back to that case of SpaceX versus Boeing, for the you know the crew the yeah. crew missions to the ISS you know that 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 worked out really well you know that there was a competition and and SpaceX kind of have won but without that redundancy it could have been Starliner the one and SpaceX having those problems so you know you kind of want redundant completely redundant systems yeah there's also i think the biggest thing is the sustainability element of it You've got the other systems, and all they can do really is land on the moon. Whereas if you think about Starship, it's so future-looking, isn't it? As in, if you can get this right and it works, then suddenly Mars opens up. Mars doesn't open up with with the other two teams' uh, landing uh, capability. It it doesn't change anything for Mars or anything else. (laughs) That's a great point. That's a really great point. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and building and building a lunar base as well. You know, the the fact is really those two craft can't really take anything more than a bit of cargo and a couple of astronauts. Whereas clearly Starship is absolutely freaking massive and will be able to deliver tons of cargo down to the surface, down to the surface mm. of, of the moon. So, you know, when you're looking forward to building a lunar base, that's going to be massive you know that that is huge so you know that that sustainability of it is like you're spending money and it's much more long term the money that you're spending i think yeah, with exactly. starship as long as it works it just looks fantastic that's the thing you know i was saying back i thought it was a mistake it looks amazing but you know you've got this huge spacious cabin as well so for the astronauts yeah. going down it's going to be loads more comfortable you've got two airlocks which of course makes the whole system um, much safer. You know, if you've only got one airlock that goes wrong, you're kind of stuffed. And in fact, as as Julio pointed out, it was only thanks to the fact that one that uh, Buzz Aldrin had a pen on him 
that he was able to shut the door properly on Apollo 11 <laughs> and get off the moon. Incredible, yeah. <laughs> and you think, yeah, and you think, yeah, so having a couple of airlocks is, is pretty useful as well. Well, more than useful, you know, gets way more stuff down to there. The other interesting thing is this, this ability. Take a pen, they? They, they, I mean, if I was going down, I'd still take a pen. Oh, I'd definitely take a pen anyway. <laughs> right, so I could write, write, write down my thoughts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, the, uh, I, I thought a really interesting one was the fact that Starship does all its refueling and sort of complex tasks it has to do in low Earth orbit. So instead of flying out to the moon to assemble and to fuel up, it does that all in low Earth orbit, which could be a massive advantage because it clearly logistically that might be uh, better in terms of less dangerous and, and easier to sort out problems when it's nearby. Yeah. It's so little things like that might be the things that, that are impressing NASA. I mean, it's still odd. I think there's some massive hurdles I mean, it's going to go down really badly with Congress. I mean, they're already moaning about, yeah. oh, why have they done this when there isn't even a permanent NASA administrator? You know, wh wh why why have they even announced it? Hmm. But but obviously the, the old pork rolling type thing of all these different states having a stake in these massive engineering companies, it doesn't quite work with SpaceX because, you know, it's this private company that, that is very self-contained. So... Congress will hate it. It's almost like there's a problem with the political structure of the United States. You think? I mean, it's not just the United States. It's not just the United States, is it either? I mean, it's it's really difficult, isn't it? When you when you want government money to do things, clearly, that has to be lobbied for. And I guess there's nothing wrong with lobbying, but I guess lobbying now is becoming a, a dirtier and dirtier dirtier word mm. because of all the people that lobby badly or, you know, not in good faith. Yeah, yeah. You know, we've, we've got it in this country in spades at the moment, haven't we? So Cronyism. Cronyism, we call it over here. And in the States, I guess it's got a slightly different name. But, you know, it's the same everywhere. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's probably better than the Russian system, <laughs> yeah. where in, in, instead of, like, bunging someone a few fivers, you get taken round the back of the bike sheds and have a Kalashnikov stuck in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> or a bit of or a bit of polonium slipped in your tea. Oh, that kind of stuff. Topical right now. I don't know. It's it's hard, isn't it? I it, basically there's dodgy stuff going all all around. Yeah. Uh, yeah, all around, isn't there? I I think another massive advantage of this, by the way, is having SpaceX involved at this level. When the Artemis thing starts to build up ahead of steam in, in terms of public awareness, because I still think the public really aren't aware of Artemis at all, really. Um, but when it actually comes closer to sending people to the moon again and SpaceX are involved with Starship, I think that that will be super inspirational and exciting for the general public. Definitely, the the, the 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 foundations of PR that they've put down are, are incredible. The, the the work they've done to get the world excited about space travel again is is amazing. And and I guess if the money starts to slip a little bit, the thing is, Elon Musk is able to sort of raise funds by just clicking his fingers. It seems so. Musk is determined to to build Starship anyway. I mean, it helps that he's got $3 billion off NASA to do it. Hmm. But 
he's going to do it anyway. Yeah. So, like, it, it, it seems to me that it's a really safe bet on that front as well. It's, it's a project that, you know, if, if, if it doesn't work, it's like, actually, it will still work because you've got the determination of someone that always delivers behind yeah. it. I mean, there's, there's, we, we should mention one thing, which is back to that point of SLS launching Orion to go to the moon to transfer into a starship. And you think, well, if Starship can take off on the super heavy booster, why, why bother with SLS and Orion at all? Hmm. <laughs> so that, I think, that is going to be something that starts to really roll out as an argument over the next few years because SLS is insanely expensive and clearly that money might be better spent elsewhere. And if Musk starts to demonstrate super heavy and Starship and is able to deliver it super cheaply. And you think, well, you, you could cut that bit out. The only thing I would say in Orion's defence is I think the launch escape element of it, in terms of the safety, is clearly better for landing on Earth. <laughs> yeah. I still would not be comfortable with a <laughs> no. starship. <laughs> not, not, not for at least a decade. You know no. that 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 looks a that looks a decade away at best. But yeah. I mean, we go we go back to that original the reason why I put that Wilbur Wright quote in is just how wrong you can be, even when you're the expert in flight. Mm. <laughs> he's he's thinking it's going to take longer than it did, and it only took him two years. You know, and that, that's the person doing it. He's like the op. He's like got the opposite of Elon Musk syndrome there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think most people are the opposite of Elon Musk. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope I am. But the uh, there's, there's, there's the, well, I know my wealth status is very much the opposite of Elon Musk's. <laughs> the, <laughs> there's uh, lots of technical issues still, I guess. Um, you've got refueling in space, never been done. Although we will go to something that's similar later on in the episode, a little bit of news. But refueling in space never been done, and that has to happen. So there has to be several Starship launches, some of them carrying fuel, that then refuel this lunar version of the Starship. So it's not just a normal Starship. It's not going to have the. It's not going to have the the wings, the little wings that you see on the Aww. the current Starship. There's no point, obviously, because the moon doesn't have an atmosphere. So there's no belly flop manoeuvre. So that, I mean, in some ways, that, that's better because there's no belly flop manoeuvre and, and obviously that's hard. Yeah. But it means it also means they can't be using the raptors on the bottom of the rocket because that would make a massive crater on the moon. So they've got to have this ring of engines around the top um, to actually do the landing. So that, so they've got to design all that, and and they think it's going to be a new new engine to do that because they don't think the Super Dracos on the Dragon, for example, are powerful enough. Right. Um, it's going to have bigger legs, but that's okay because I suppose they've got the leg technology from the Dragon, uh, from the Falcon. Um, the weird one that I don't get is when the lunar version of Starship is out at the moon. Does it stay there or will it fly back to the Earth to refuel again in low Earth orbit and go back? And how many of this special lunar one will actually get built? 
in which case, if, if, if it's only a couple of them or even just one, it's going to be an expensive vehicle. But I, I guess if it's built on the same architecture, like the stainless steel rings that the normal Starship's built from, then I guess they can do it reasonably cheap. But there's, there's a load of unanswered questions, which is why this, why this announcement was just so extraordinary. Yeah, absolutely amazing, but I'm so excited to find out how. Oh, well, I mean, th- the thing is that the, the contract's there now, so SpaceX can really start fleshing this out. And if, if we really are serious about 2024, it means that they have to flesh it out in a hurry as well. Yeah. Like, we, we, might, we might see leaps and bounds down at Boca Chica on, on, the, on Starship development. I mean, this is, it's epic, isn't it? Yeah, completely, completely. Just imagine them putting the proposal together and there's, like, you know, bits of Tesla design in there by mistake. It's like, oh, God, we've really had to throw this together. Drawing by Elon's daughter. Oh, <laughs> Just pull it all, like, on, well, the, on the PowerPoint well, behind them, you know. <laughs> Elon Musk's, you know, sits over quite a lot of intellectual property that is quite useful for doing stuff like this. Definitely. <laughs> Again, makes him really... Um, an exciting individual. Now, sticking with SpaceX and human spaceflight, yeah. um, we've got we've we've actually got another SpaceX crew mission coming up as well. But uh, so uh, it was the end of Expedition sixty four this week. So yeah. the two Sergeys, Richikov and Kud Svechkov, well in, they came back down with Kate Rubins. Ah, welcome back on MS seventeen. After Richikoff had uh, handed over command to Shannon Walker, he said, It was an amazing time, and it was unforgettable. There were many unforgettable events during our increment. <laughs> and then Wa- <laughs> Walker then said to Richikoff, It has truly been the teamwork and the camaraderie that has made it very special. Do I sense a bit of a romance there? Possibly. If only back on Earth, the States and Russia, well, if only everyone was getting on as well as they do on the International Space Station. Absolutely. Absolutely. Ah. Never a true word said. Currently, the ISS uh, had a lot of people on board at that point for a couple of weeks, but now it's got uh, Michael Hopkins, Victor Glover, Mark van der Heij, Sochi Noguchi, Oleg Novitsky and Piotr Dubrov. Uh, and this week, they'll potentially have the arrival of SpaceX crew two of Shane, Shane Kimbrough, Megan MacArthur, Akahiko Hoshidi, and Dummer Biscuit. And they're going to be launching on April the 22nd, which should be really exciting. Now, this... I don't know why this should be bigger news. Uh, again, uh, I guess it's because the SpaceX news is just keeps coming and coming and coming. So this, the, the launch vehicle's out at Pad 39. So both the Dragon and the Falcon 9 have been flown before, right? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, the, that's the first time a spacecraft has been used again since the space shuttle finished in 2011. So that's a decade later. Wow. But it's the first ever, it's the first ever booster reused for human spaceflight. That's never happened before. Incredible. And it's the same, it's the same booster that was used on Crew-1. So when, when you watched Glover Hopkins 
uh, and Noguchi and Walker going up on crew one. That was the same booster as they're using this time round. And get this, the, the, the actual dragon is the same that they used on demo two, which was Doug and Bob yeah. when they went up. Yeah. And, and here's, the, here's the little factette that I just spotted, was that Megan MacArthur, who's literally about 10 days older than I am, yeah. uh, she, she, she actually was the last person to touch the Hubble with the Canadarm. Um, uh, but she's never been to the ISS, so she's a veteran of uh, Space Shuttle, but she never went to the ISS. But she is married to Bob Benkin, so the craft that she's going up to the ISS in is the same one that her husband f- flew last year. That is great. That is so cool. Uh, that must be the first time that's happened. Yeah, that, definitely. Uh, I would have thought. Oh, maybe not. Maybe there's been a husband and wife team that have gone on the same shuttle at different times. Damn. That's a spodcat moment That's a spodcat That is a spod. Yeah, that, 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 yeah, there we go. So if anyone knows whether a husband and wife team went up on the same shuttle but at different times, if not, that's a first. Yeah. But I think that's very cool. They're, they're, they're poor son. How... <laughs> how is it a comfort that that his mum is going up on the same craft as his dad survived on, yeah. or is, does it make it more? Or does it make it more stressful? Yeah, well, he knows it works. Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, it's flight proven, or is it flight knackered? Oh, it's just no. it's hard, isn't it? That's the. Balance, it's like when you it? take a yeah when you take a car off the courtroom, uh, courtroom showroom, uh, floor. Yeah. You take it out for a drive. It's quite. It might. It's. You've got a feeling that it might break, but once you've been driving it around for a, a year or two, then you've. Then, and it hasn't broke. You, you get confident in it. Yeah. But when it starts to get a little bit old, you start losing confidence in it again. There's a kind of sweet spot, isn't there, with definitely. reusability? <laughs> but I think I reusability think, I think is definitely. This is going to be in the sweet spot. It, it needs to be. For the, for the post. Yeah, this is to, well, it must be in the sweet spot because NASA have okayed it. So, you know, this is, uh, you know, and it's got a few upgrades. There are a few upgrades, like the heat tiles have been slightly upgraded. And I think the Super Dracos have been slightly upgraded so they can work in higher winds or something like that. So there's a, there's a few things in there. But so many things happened on, that exped, on Expedition 64, you know. And Kate Rubins, even though she's a cancer doctor and doing lots and lots of experiments, she also did... EVAs out there. So she's spent over a day now in EVAs. Wow. So over 24, she's done over 24 hours out in the cold vacuum of space. Um, and yeah, the, the two Sergis, of course, were the first people to use the Poisk module to go out on their EVA to ready the station for the Norca. So that, that a lot of work on the space station itself was done by Expedition 64, getting it ready for new solar panels and new modules and stuff like that, as well as doing lots and lots of experiments. I, uh, I, I've been a bit out of touch lately. Did they fix the rushing bit? No, it's still a little bit leaky. Oh, God. <laughs> um, it's getting old, yeah. I mean, the, 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 the fact is, yeah, the Russian bit is getting old. I mean, they, they are getting rid of the Piers module and replacing it with Norca and the European arm, which has been sitting in a crate for decades. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Should have gone up ages ago. But, um, yeah, so the Russian bit's getting an upgrade at least. Nice. 
That's good to know. Uh, SpaceX have given up trying to catch fairings, by the way. Oh. The, 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 the two boats that go out and with their massive nets trying to catch bits of fairing, unfortunately, have been retired. No one likes a quitter, SpaceX. Owners. No one likes a quitter. I think they've tried it, they've managed it, and then it turns out that the whole expense of it and the danger of it, I think, is not worth it. Oh, all right. That they're like better at just, just, just fishing them out the ocean and, and uh, doing it that way, I think. Yeah, yeah. Let's face it. Space news, unfortunately, is becoming a bit like SpaceX news. <laughs> it is. It is. I hope no one's actually playing the drinking game because, like, you, they'd be absolutely on the floor right now. Well, we've had to abandon the drinking game because the government uh, sent me a letter saying that uh, due to the popularity of SpaceX, um, it's now considered dangerous to play it on the podcast, so it's been banned. <laughs> it's contributing to <laughs> epidemic. Plus, we've got a big, uh, we've got such a big listenership of scientists as well, and we don't want them rotting their brains. I have a feeling from the scientists that I've met that they're one of the hardest boozing communities. Quality. <laughs> they do love, they do love a good booze up. I don't know what it is. They're they're often into they're often into sort of beers. That's what I find. British scientists are into into their beers, you yeah. know, craft beers and reading books by Michael Jackson for camera, that kind of thing. <laughs> not not Michael Jackson, the singer. Yeah, obviously. I figured. <laughs> and a lot of those scientists drink their beer out of leather, leather tankards. <laughs> uh. <laughs> of course, I'm, I'm very much stereotyping them. It's ridiculous. Um, right, I, I want to talk about a, a non-SpaceX story. How about that? Yeah, there's a couple finally, actually that we should rush. Finally. God, we 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 God, we filled quite a lot of time here. But I I want to talk about two two things. Uh, one is the Mission Extension Vehicle Two, and this this is another spectacular moment, really. So that uh, back in on the fifteenth of August, twenty twenty, on Ariane Five, uh, they launched this MEV Two vehicle, and on the thirteenth of April it managed to join itself with this five-and-a-half-tonne Intelsat satellite. Now, this satellite has been running out of fuel. It was, it was launched itself in 2004, and it serves 18 million households around Europe with, with TV. Yeah. Right? So it's a pretty important satellite. Absolutely. It does lots of broadband. Yeah, it does lots of broadband for South America, Africa, Middle East, and all that kind of stuff as well. So this thing is worth hundreds of millions of dollars, right? It's a big old five and a half ton geostationary uh, satellite. Nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with it, other than the fact it's running out of fuel, and so it's unable really to carry on doing its own station keeping. Because, obviously, because of the weird wobble of Earth and all those kind of things, you've, you've got to stay in, in the correct position. You can only do that using fuel. It's running out of fuel. And so they've... Uh, but it's perfectly functional other than that. So we talked about refueling in space and how hard it is. MEV-2 doesn't do that. So what MEV-2 is, is another large-ish satellite that flies up to geostationary orbit, which is 22,000 miles above the Earth, a little bit more, in fact. 22,236 miles above the Earth, geostationary orbit. Yeah. Which is where satellites like that uh, 
that the orbital speed is basically the same as the the speed of the Earth's rotation, so it, it stays above the same spot. Yeah. It's often known as the Clark Clark orbit because Arthur C. Clarke was the first one to point out how useful it would be for this kind of thing for telecommunications. Um, so good old Arthur C. Clarke have to mention Absolutely. pretty much every episode because he's such a ledge, um, pure ledge. But yes, the, the pure legend. So MEV two has has clipped on onto this Intel Sat satellite and is now going to be providing the fuel and the propulsion to do the station keeping. So in other words, it's 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 kind of like a satellite that's clipped onto the the old satellite. And, and is allowing that satellite to have at least another five years of usable service. That's great. That's really great. Like, just clamp it on, make a few adjustments there, and off it goes. Brilliant. Yeah, I, I, I think it's really good because it's environmentally friendly because it means that you're building less satellites when you don't need to and launching these heavy things as well. Mm. And so it, it must be environmentally Better. It must be better for space debris as well because you avoid, you know, you're you're putting less and less things up. Uh, and um, Northrop Grumman reckon that, that this market's worth over three billion over the next decade, uh, and they're hoping to do this with another seventy-five satellites. It's great. I love it. Again, it's another big game-changing movement. Again, about around reusability, really, isn't it? And yeah. Sustainability. This week has got a couple of biggies, isn't it, really, with the Crew 2 and MEV2. You know, that, that's, that's great. Um, and, of course, <laughs> possibly the most epic thing of the week <laughs> is, <laughs> is a helicopter yeah. maybe flying on another planet. So the first ever aircraft flight on another planet. Which is another reason for choosing, you know, Wilbur Wright at the, at the top, top of the show. What a quote! Absolutely nailed it with that one, Matt. This, but this is incredible. I can't believe it. it that's the stuff that you really like. That that you need really need to get the kids excited about, you know. And I did some workshops about um, writing poems about Mars the other day, and they, I was just talking to them for about twenty minutes about the helicopter because it was just like <laughs> this is just mind blowing <laughs> stuff. It's just it, unreal. I. Uh, yeah, and, it, and it, you know, this it might happen today as the podcast comes out. You know, yeah. uh, that they're going to give it its its first flight. And obviously, there's been a few teething problems, but they've not been major problems. The fact the fact is that Ingenuity is on the surface. It's managed to do high speed spin tests with the helicopter blades. There was a few sort of software issues, which they've sent new commands and stuff like that. So on Wilbur Wright's birthday, April the 16th, uh, Ingenuity successfully passed the full-speed spin test. And, uh, and so, yes, it, it's kind of good to go, but, you know, they're, they're still playing it cautiously, obviously. Um, uh, yeah, but yeah. yeah. If, if, it, if it went wrong that first time, <laughs> it's just you can only oh get this right God. once. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Yeah, I well, yeah, but you know, this is this is a technology demonstrator. So, you know, if it goes wrong, it goes wrong. But hopefully it'll go right because there's so much that can come from this. It's 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 brilliant. But here's a little interesting fact of staying with the Wright brothers. There's a small piece of the Wright brothers' wing from the from that original 
aircraft that's uh, underneath Ingenuity's solar panel. Oh, I'm, I'm blown away by that. I'm absolutely blown away. It's, it's incredible. Yeah, so, uh, Amazing. So, which, which is the second time that's happened. So uh, it was also the case that uh, a small piece went on the lunar module, the Eagle, with Neil Armstrong. Yeah. So what? Yeah, so... In 60... So, yeah, so it's like... In 69, and so... Yeah, it's, yeah, there's, there's no, one on the moon, there's nine, one on on the on Mars, and what what would they think? Yeah. What the Wright brothers think if they had? Well, it, I mean, it, incredible thing. The insane thing about the Wright brothers is it's it's only a hundred and seven hundred eighteen years ago. Yeah, <laughs> it's not that long ago, is it? It's no. only a little bit older than Prince Philip was when he died. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's insane. Yeah. It's it's quite it's quite recent that the first plane was made and now we've got a helicopter about to take flight on the surface of Mars. There's no words, that, honestly. There's no no words, man. It's going to fly uh, about five metres high at most. So that's 16 feet. And it's going to be for about 90 seconds. So hopefully we might see a press release and actually see this. And what would be cool is that we might see the video from Ingenuity itself and, of course, from Perseverance so that yeah. we can have multiple angles of this really cool event actually happening. It's, it's going to be <laughs> absolutely genius. Yeah, completely. <laughs> and, and, completely. And, if it, and, and if all this goes well, it will be really cool information for other missions to Mars, but also... In 10 years' time, they're planning to sending a helicopter to Titan uh, called the Dragonfly. So yeah. that it might be really cool for that as well. I mean, <sighs> I am so chuffed. Th- this week is going to be full of space stuff. I mean, it's, it's, it's probably one of the most chock-a-block space weeks ever. I know, I'm so happy had to be on this episode. Like the all, all the news, all the news this week is just like absolutely blown my mind. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot going on in space right now. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a, what a great week to have a, a space news episode. It's a space mark week. Lots of space marks. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't do anything today on my birthday though, did they? Still, you know. <laughs> no, no, no. They never do. They keep your birthday especially quiet, so that so the BBC may one day or like you get to six o'clock news and and uh, they said, yeah, no, that's no, nothing's really happened today. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely great. incredible. What one last piece of news is a little bit worrying. A OneWeb and a Starlink. SpaceX Starlink yeah. only just missed missed each other this week, Oof. so that was one of those U.S. Space Force had to tell them that this that I put them on red alert and say you know you're going to get dangerously close here, uh, and one web had to do the maneuver to um, to actually miss. So that's pretty you know it was a small percentage chance that they would hit, but that's you know if they do hit. That might be the end of space constellations because it's you know it's just ridiculous that that it seems it's it's the accident waiting to happen, isn't it? I, it is. It really is a bit of a it's, it, a, it's a bit of a nightmare. Place. It's a crowded place up there, mm. and and not only is it crowded, but but SpaceX are launching next week another bunch of Starlinks on the twenty eighth of April. So yet another 60 go up and oh. another th- 36 OneWebs go up. 
uh, on the 25th of April from a Soyuz on a Soyuz. So that's another 96, almost 100 new satellites this week. And then, well, in fact, it's over 100 satellites this week because you've got um, a Delta IV Heavy uh, lifting a, um, a military payload, an Enrol, the Enrol 82 reconnaissance uh, payload. So that's always ace to see a Delta IV Heavy. Not many of them left, so no. definitely worth watching. Um, Long March 6 is uh, launching a couple of Earth observation satellites as well. But we also see, and uh, let's hope it goes well, a return to flight since the November 2020 launch failure uh, for Vega from uh, Karoo, of course. Um, so that should be exciting as well. So that's another bunch of small satellites going up oh, as well. Good, so good luck to them as well, you know. Uh, no, absolutely. So that definitely needs good luck. So at least a hun- over a hundred satellites are going up, are going up this week, and um, <laughs> it just keeps coming, Chris, because the <laughs> Chinese are going to start building the space station, their space station, this week as well. So it looks like a Long March five B is going to start taking up the core module of the Chinese space station. So, yep, another massive bit of space news to finish oh. on. Incredible. What a, what a week. What a week, Matthew. What a week this is going to be. It's, just, it's absolutely absurd. <laughs> that's, that's the 29th of April. So I suppose it doesn't quite fit in this week, but over the next couple of weeks, we, we, are, talking, we are talking big news. Anyway, Chris, I hope you've enjoyed your birthday space news catch-up. I can't think of a better way to spend my birthday. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, happy birthday, Chris. Thank uh, you. 42, very special age, 42. It certainly is. I'm, I'm hoping to discover that meaning. Uh, no, literally, uh, just just before you go to bed, uh, sleep tonight, Yeah, it will all become clear. We're not really, people over the age of 42 aren't really supposed to talk about this, but <laughs> as you're about to go to sleep, everything will become clear. I'm looking forward to that. It's, a, it's an amazing moment. It's an amazing moment. <laughs> Fantastic. Chris, if, if, if people want to uh, uh, look at the show notes, uh, where would they go? If I was going to look at the show notes, I would go to interplanetary.org.uk. Oh, that's such a great place to go for show what notes. What a lovely website. Yeah, and if you want to join the join, like a, quite a few people have over the last, the last few weeks, be more involved and come onto our Discord, etc., uh, come to www.patreon.com forward slash interplanetary or just follow the uh, Patreon link from the normal website you know it makes sense absolutely i i hope you have a beautiful birthday week thank you matthew and you have a lovely week too i'm gonna to say bye bye to the spudcats watch this bye bye spudcats 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 bye spudcats